So let's just start. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we come before your throne of God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, because with you, there is no coincidences, Lord. For you have ordained our days from the beginning of time and you have fashioned it and everything is good for your children, O oh Lord. You, you knew us before we were even called and you sent messengers to call us. And when we responded, you received us because it was all your plan. Father, therefore, as your ch church gathers today, O oh Lord, speak to us your words, O oh Master, the powerful living word of God, of the Messiah, ministered by the Holy Spirit, and let it bear much fruit, because this is your purpose, that your word bears much fruit in our lives. And Father, only you can do that through the Holy Spirit. And Father, we ask of you that your Holy Spirit's ministry will be received in our hearts today, and it will bear a hundredfold harvest not just in the days to come, even today, this evening time, Lord, because you are faithful to do and honor the word that goes out from the, your mouth. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you. Are you excited about the word today? Yes. Okay. The title of the message is... Gabby? You didn't know. <laughs> The title of the message is, Do Your Job, Sit Down. Do Your Job, Sit Down. We'll cover a lot of passages, but we'll, we'll start with a very interesting question that Jesus asked in the New Testament. And it was a question that has been bothering his disciples all throughout the ministry. And finally, Jesus brings it out in the open. The question is, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? So, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Very important question. In fact, the disciples were fighting over that till the very end. Like Jesus is about to go into Passover and just get crucified. Um, the, the mother of the sons of James and Zebedee comes to Jesus and says, can you do something for me? Without telling the real deal, right? So he asked, can you do something for me? He said, what do you want me to do for you? He, and look at her, uh, her request. What was her request? Grant that my sons may sit one at your right hand and the other on the left hand. Look at her greatest desire is what? For her sons to sit on either side of the king, Jesus. Amazing request. So, so there, that's a clue to how to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And let's look at this passage. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. You'll enjoy the Bible study today because the Lord has revealed so much more stuff. And he's actually woken me in the middle of the night and shared some stuff and you'll be amazed uh, what he said. Uh, I'll reserve it maybe a little bit later in the message. I'm so excited to share that part today. That, was, that is going to be new from then what we shared last time. Okay. I believe, I think maybe uh, Manisha has to hear this live. Possibly that's why we had that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> Special for you. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Let's listen to Matthew chapter 18. Very powerful, very, very powerful. If you get this chapter, you will get your authority, your position in the kingdom of God. Very powerful chapter. But you, you would have never read this chapter in that light. But today you'll see it, okay? Matthew chapter 18. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven? Very obvious question. Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called. Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So is he answering that question? The disciples are asking, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Or kingdom of heaven. Who then is the greatest? This is a kingdom. They knew it's a kingdom. But he says, who is then is the greatest? So Jesus calls this young child. And where does he bring him? He calls this little child to him. So Jesus is now in the center. He calls this little child to him and sets him down. In the other passage it says, Mark chapter 9, he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. Set him in the midst of them means what? Made him sit down in the midst of them. You got the posture? Posture. He made him sit down. Let's look at another chapter. Luke chapter 9. And a dispute rose among them as to who then would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him. Who is this him? Jesus. Jesus. So he's answering the question, who then is the greatest? And Jesus is actually physically showing who is the greatest. And he takes a little child... And takes him. In the other passage it says. Uh, Mark chapter 9. And when he had taken him in his arms. He said to him. Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. He not, so look at what all he did. He took this little child. Brought him to him. In the midst. He took a little child. Brought him to him. And made him sit. He took a little child, brought him to him, made him sit down, and took him up in his arms. You see the progression? What is the progression? From calling to bringing close to making him sit down to making him further sit in his arms. So the posture of sitting has completely uh, progress to an advanced level. What is the most advanced position of this child? In Jesus' arms. Sitting or standing? Sit. Sitting. So Jesus says, whoever humbles as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. So very simple. Look at this answer. He says, so the disciples' question is, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Jesus says, Whoever humbles like a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. How did this little child humble himself? I don't know whether he even listened. By sitting. He humbled himself by sitting where? 
by Jesus, by him. In fact, it is not even by him, in his, in his arms. Wow. So he becomes a great test. Jesus says, the, and then look at Jesus' question. Now that you understand that passage, he says, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? The greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who sits with Jesus. Amen? Because Jesus has just answered that question. Whoever sits by me is the greatest in the kingdom of God. But does it need humility to sit? Because Jesus said, whoever humbles himself. That means obviously the, the sitting posture needs what? Humility. It takes humility to sit. Wow. Why does it take humility to sit? Because everything in your body says what? Stand up. Do something about the situation. Don't just sit there. Do something. How many times children have heard that from your parents? Don't just sit there. Do something. What does the father say? Don't just do something. Sit there. You see the opposite? He says, okay. So let me ask you a question. If in a kingdom, how do you know who is the greatest? The one who stands or the one who sits? Sits. Because in the, king, in the kingdom, who is the greatest generally? In the earthly kingdom. The king. What does the king do? Sits. The king is not. In fact, it says, he who sits on the throne of England. It's always said, sit on the throne of England. It's always said, sit. Like when, if a queen of England, a queen is, she's gone to be with the Lord. So, but now we have a king there, okay? So if the king of England comes to Dallas, is he still on the throne in England? Yes. Yes. Or does he have to carry his throne with him in the flight? No. The fact that he is in Dallas for an event still means that he is, where is he still sitting? On the throne in England, correct? That's how his, his posture is. That's how you are. You are right now here on the earth, but where are you sitting right now? In Jesus at the Father's right hand, correct? In Jesus, that's your seated position. Let's look at it. Let's read further. This is huge. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Let's... Okay, now let's go to the, uh, the, the same chapter. Okay, let's, let's do this. Stay, stay with the same chapter, Matthew chapter 18. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So let's replace the word this little child like me. How do you replace it? Whoever receives one this little child like... A seated child. Whoever receives somebody like this child... Now replace the word child and like this to what? Whoever receives anybody who does what this little child does, receives me. Look at the implication. That means whoever receives a seated believer. You got it? Whoever receives a seated believer does what? Receives Jesus. That means all of creation... Does all of creation receive Jesus? No, I'm talking about creation, not men. All of the earth responds to Jesus, correct? So do you think all of them will receive a seated one? Because Jesus said, whoever receives 
a seated one receives me. So all of creation is responding to seated ones. Very simple. That means everything works together for those who are seated. Because what is creation trying to do? They are trying to receive whom? They are trying to receive Jesus. Because by receiving a seated believer, they are receiving Jesus. Because Jesus said, whoever receives one like this child who is sitting will receive me. Huge, huge. Let's read this chapter further. Okay. But whoever causes one of these little ones, let's replace the word little ones by? Seated ones. Let's look at it. Whoever causes one of these seated ones who believe in me to sin, it is better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Wow! How will he call the seated one to sin? By making him stand. So that means he caused any, if anybody causes a believer to stand from his finished position of what Jesus has accomplished, Jesus says, it's better that guy who's causing that. If there's a teaching that is coming to you, that no, you have to work for your salvation. Oh no, your healing is not complete. You have to do something about it. Oh, your prosperity, you have to do something about it. Oh, your righteousness, oh, you have to ask forgiveness 100 times before it can be given. Oh, you're not fully, completely saved. That means it's causing the little child, the, the seated one to do what? Stand! And Jesus says, if, you, if anyone causes the little one, the seated one, to stand, it's better for that person, let him have a millstone hung around him. If a millstone is hung around you and you jump into the sea, what happens? Gabby, you're a swimming champion. <laughs> you're, not you're not coming up. In fact, in swimming, in any, if you're trying to save anybody, what is the first thing they say when you have to jump into the pool? I mean, take out all your jackets and stuff like that, right? Because you're, you don't want to weigh yourself down, right? You want to get rid of as much weight as possible. Jesus says, let me give you a suggestion. If you cause one of the seated ones to do, instead of taking on stuff, why don't you add more stuff to you? Why don't you add a millstone to you so that you never come up? That's, that's serious. That means Jesus takes causing the seated ones to move out of their seated position very seriously. Do you see the picture? Okay, now, this is about somebody else who's trying to get you out, correct? What about yourself? Look at the next verse. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, <laughs> so, how is your hand causing, going to cause you to sin? By working. Because if you're seated, you cannot work, correct? So if you have to work, means what? What do you have to do? Stand. You have to stand up and go and get work. That means who is causing you to get up from your seated position? Your hand. Correct? Okay, next. If your hand causes you to sin, or a foot causes you to sin, how is, how is your foot going to cause you to get up from your seated place? Very obvious. You get up and walk. So now your foot is causing you to? Sin. Stand up. That means you are trying to do something about your situation on your own. That's, it's all a picture of God says, stop, do, stop adding to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Stay seated in that finished work of Jesus Christ. So what has Jesus finished for you? Has he finished your salvation? 
Yes. Has he finished the fact that you're fully righteous? Yes. Has he finished your healing? Yes. Has he finished your prosperity? Yes. Let me ask you, how has he finished your prosperity? He became poor. When did Jesus become poor? On the cross. What happened on the cross? Almost everything that he owned was taken away from him. He became naked on the cross. When a man becomes naked, that is the height of poverty. You agree? Because even the most poorest man will have uh, something on his body. But when Jesus traded that for you, and he was the richest of all, and he traded that, so guess what? Has he accomplished that? Has he made you extremely rich because of that exchange? Yes? So do you have to do anything about that part? No? So you don't have anything to do with your salvation? You don't have anything to do with your righteousness? You don't have anything to do with your healing? You don't have anything to do with your prosperity? What about peace and mental uh, being? Jesus uh, took care of that? How? Where? When? That is a curse. What about mental his soul, his anguish of your soul. Where did he pay that price for that? In the Garden of Gethsemane. He said what? Before he even died physically, before he even died in, in his spirit, he died where? My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. So you know, a lot of young people, right? They are like, oh, we are so tormented in our minds. Okay. No, he took the price there. He started by taking all the pressure of your soul first before he could even pay the price on the body. Before he, so first he paid the price in the garden of Gethsemane. He, he, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. So that's where all your emotion and soul is. He died there. And he had to die there. He said, he, and he told his disciples, in fact, it's very interesting now that you know this revelation, this is so huge. He told the disciples something. And what, what did he say, say to the disciples? Sit here while I go and pray there. Did you see the word? You sit here. Why sit? Because why can you sit? Because I am going to do something about your sitting. You sit here. But if you don't sit and you want to do what I am trying to do and so much bad doctrine has come out of it as Jesus suffered in the garden of Gemini we need to pay a price we need to suffer we need to be the seed that falls to the ground all stupid doctrines have come out of the fact that God called you grab your chairs and watch me you know uh, and the, the Holy Spirit has been telling me this so many times when I was preparing this message. He says, tell the church, the show cannot start unless everybody is seated. <laughs> and what is the show? If anybody answers that, they get $10. Somebody got $10 last time. You... <laughs> What is the show? No, not the rapture. Stay in seated position? No, no. Grab your chairs. The show is about to start. What show? Before Ephesians. 
in the ages to come, he will show the exceeding greatness of his love through us. That's the show. Get ready to show, to see God show how much he loves you. So he says, in my health, he, he says, Padmini, you got a problem in your health? Grab a chair and watch me. That's how he says. You got a problem in prosperity, Annie? Grab a chair and watch me. Jyotra, you got a problem in some issue? Grab a chair and watch me. Because guess what? Sit down while I go and pray. And that is why in the Garden of Gethsemane he said, watch with me. Watch what? Watch what? In fact, they, they, they were sleeping. What, what did Jesus want them to do? They, Jesus wanted them to watch the show. What show? That he was going to pay the price. So that you are not tempted to get up from your seat to pay the price yourself. Huge. That's why the reason Peter, James and John, they slept. And the same night, Peter wanted to pay the price himself. Correct? Judas wanted to pay the price himself. Because Judas never saw Jesus suffering. Peter never saw Jesus suffering. Because he was sleeping. And Jesus, Jesus came to Peter and says, Can't you watch with me one hour? Means he's not... And people have taken that verse and tried to prove that, you know, Jesus needed moral support. Seriously? <laughs> what? Moral support? You are bankrupt, you? And you are trying to support him spiritually? He's saying, watch me so that when Satan comes to test you, to make you get up from your seat and make you pay the price, you can say, no, 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 no. I saw him draw out his Amex black card and pay for me. Why should I take my stupid Visa debit card now? Why, you got the point? I saw him wipe out that Amex black card. I saw him. So when, G so this is what Peter says, I was a witness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ and therefore I will partake of his glory. Did you see that verse? He, Peter exactly used that word. He says, Peter says, I saw, I saw the suffering. And therefore, guess what? I am not going to get up and do the suffering again because I saw him suffer and therefore I will partake of all the blessing. Where is that verse? Okay, let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 5. The elders who are among you, I exhort. And he's telling the leaders of the church. He says, I who am a fellow elder, that means I be, I'm a leader also in the church. I'm telling, I'm encouraging you elders. I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. When did Peter see the sufferings of Christ? He saw at the cross. He saw he was, remember while he had just denied Jesus and he was cursing, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. Jesus was inside being hit and mocked and beaten in the high priest courtyard. Do you remember that? So, and Jesus looked at him while he denied. And what is Jesus telling him by his looking? What is Jesus telling him? And a lot of people, if you read that, they will say, Jesus is looking, looking at him and telling, see, I told you, you're going to deny me. Eh. 
No, that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Peter, don't worry. Remember I told you that even though you will deny me, you will return. Don't worry. Don't get up from your seated place. And what was Peter doing at that time? He was sitting. And Jesus is saying, Peter, don't worry. Don't get up. Don't get up and pay the price yourself. Because who that same night, who was getting ready to pay the price? Judas. Judas was... So who, who caused Judas to sin? Hold on. Now you get... If you answer this, another $10 coming. Who caused Judas to sin? Judas himself. Yeah. You're close. His, yes, you got the $10. His hand. His feet. Cause it. He said, it, wouldn't it be better for Judas that night that his hand was cut off? Wouldn't it be better for that night for Judas' feet was cut off? My goodness, for eternity, for eternity, he will say, why did I pay the price? Oh, why did I pay the price? Oh, my, my stupid hand, why, am I th why did I make that noose? My stupid legs, why did I go to the valley of Kidron? My stupid words, my mouth, what am I doing? I should have just watched Jesus suffer. I mean, what is the difference between Peter and what is the difference between Judas? One kept sitting. One got up and did something about his situation. Which the world will say, Judas did the right thing. He was contrived in his heart. He was repentant about his stuff. He did the right thing. But heaven says, that's pride. You need humility to sit while it's your responsibility, it is your stupid mistakes that has caused all the trouble that came upon you, it takes humility to sit and say, guess what? I'm not going to do anything about it. Because my Savior suffered for me. And the world will say, man, it is your mistake. You did this. You need to correct it. Have you heard that? And that sounds good. But that's pride. And that says, Nothing about the finished work of Jesus. So are you a fellow witness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ? Yes. That's because you had a ringside chair to that situation. And Jesus always wants you to remind yourself. Watch, sit and watch me. That's why he said sit and watch. Huge picture? Okay, keep reading. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. I, a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also, what? Partaker. A partaker of the, of the glory that will be revealed. He says, hey, if I witness, so did he say I was a partaker of the sufferings of Christ? <laughs> did he notice the word? He flipped the word. Peter says, I witnessed the sufferings of Jesus Christ, but I partook of the glory of glory that was revealed. Wow, that's a good deal. I can witness the suffering, but take part in the glory. That's exactly what Jesus said. And that is why Peter is saying, you also humble yourself in that sense. Look at verse uh, eight, uh, Look at verse six. 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, Casting your cares upon him, for he cares for you. 
look at the picture. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. How? By sitting. Not doing anything about it. I was like, man, what am I listening? Guys, am I going to the right Bible study? <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been told for years together I have to do something about my situation. And here you have been told, don't do anything about that situation. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. How did Jesus say, whoever humbles himself as this little child? How did that child humble himself? By sitting. So Peter is saying, do what Jesus told. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What will God do? He will exalt you. Now when the child came and sat with Jesus, what did Jesus do? He took him up. He did exactly what he did here. He lifted him up and exalted him and took him into his arms. Wow. But he says, how? Casting, casting what? All your cares on him. Because if you don't cast all your cares on him, what's going to happen? James? James, what are you going to happen? For that which care? For which care will you stand up? For the one that you did not cast up. See, you want to cast out 99% of the cares, but you did not cast that one care, correct? What that one care will try to do to you? Make you stand up. So it doesn't matter whether 5% of your cares made you stand up or 10% cares. Like, does it matter that you, you, it was less or more, but the fact that you stood up. Because who is going to kill you when you stand up? Not as a believer, but look at the next verse. What does he say? Be sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom whom he may devour. Who does the adversary look to devour? He's a lion. He's looking out to devour. Who is he looking to devour? The, the standing ones? <laughs> it's so funny. And I, I shared that in, in, our, in our previous life team. And I'll bring this because the Holy Spirit is definitely want to share this. Right? There is a biggest, big rule, what not to do in a safari in Africa. Have you heard that? What not to do in a safari in Africa. Check, Google it. You go on any website. When you go on a safari in Africa, what's special in Africa, by the way? All wild animals, right? Animals that, are, that can kill you in a New York minute, correct? Can kill you right away. So, so there are very clear instructions when you go on a safari. You know what a safari is, right? There are these open trucks that you just sit and you walk and they drive you in the midst of these ferocious animals. And for some reason, these animals don't touch you. Have you seen that on the YouTube videos? They will come, they'll park themselves, they'll get up on the jeep. They will look into your eyes, but they will not do anything to you. You wonder why. Did you notice that? Not because they are trained, they are wild. But they are very clear instructions. This is what they say. I'm going to read this. This is huge. Because as I underline my Bible, I also underline things from Google. Right? This is very powerful. Because this almost sounds... 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at what he says. The number one no-nos in safari. One of the biggest no-nos on safari is infamously, infamously known as not breaking the silhouette. That means 
you should not stand up inside the vehicle when you are at an animal sighting. Are you at an animal sighting every day? <laughs> Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom you are on a 24-hour African safari right now, correct? So what is the instruction? That means you should not stand up inside the vehicle when you are at an animal sighting as it may catch the attention of the animals, especially the predators. It is important to note that once inside the vehicle, who is this vehicle? Jesus. Jesus. Once inside the vehicle, now that's a choice, right? You're inside the vehicle, you will feel completely safe. But any sudden movements, <laughs> means you need to be so confident about the finished work of Jesus. Don't move. Any sudden movements can easily disturb the surrounding wildlife. The animals are familiar with safari vehicles. The animals are familiar with Jesus. Jesus. Animals, who are these animals? The devil and his kingdom are very familiar with Jesus. And because the father has put you in him, they don't see anything apart from Jesus. Look at this. So, the animals are familiar with safari vehicles, but to break the silhouette and stand up would be to change the image that they are familiar with. Hallelujah. You saw the picture? Amazing. First Peter chapter 5 shows up. He says, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> Don't break silhouette with Jesus. The animals are familiar with the silhouette of Jesus Christ. But you don't stand up because that they are not familiar with. What will make you stand up? Your cares. Your cares. How many cares? Just one care. This is, brothers and sisters, this is serious. This is how Satan operates. Okay, I want you to read it. So, the conclusion. So it is very important to stay seated at animal sightings. What's the number one rule of a safari? Do not stand up. I'm telling you, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. Do not stand up. Stay seated. Your hand causes you to sit. I know you've studied the passage many times and you've told me. And the Holy Spirit never... Unless the Holy Spirit puts light on that the way it is, you never understand that. You think about, you know, let's be humble like a little child, you know. Be dumb like a child, you know. No. No, stay seated like a child. Be obedient like a child to stay seated. That's all it means. And that's, that's, that's a power. So, the finished work of Jesus Christ. So he says, in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, look at what he says. I want you to stay on 1 Peter chapter 5 because it's huge. Because this is the biggest problem with believers. Is what? Their desire to stand up. And why do they desire to stand up? Because they have cares. Why do they have cares? Because they believe that all the other things God has taken care. But this one thing, he needs my help. He needs my help. So I'm going to do something about it. Suddenly all, all demons, they see it. They see, hold on. I thought, oh, hold on. He, they are in Jesus, but why are they outside? 
that's where the attack comes. You got it? In your resting place is your victory. Write it down. Your resting place is your place of your victory, not your working place. Write it down. Your resting place is your place of your victory, not your working place. The world tells you that your working place is your place of your victory. The Bible says your resting place is your place of your victory. The moment you rest, victory just flows like an abundant river and will never stop. Never stop. And I'll show you verse after verse this evening time. That is so powerful. And keep reading. First Peter chapter 5, verse 9. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's going to devour everybody who breaks the silhouette of Jesus Christ. Resist him. How do you resist him? No, 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 no. How do you resist him? By being, how do you resist him? By resisting the temptation to get up. Resist him by resisting the temptation to, to stand, to get up. Resist him steadfast in the faith. That's the translation. Steadfast in faith means I, I, things are going crazy around me. My children are all haywire. My finances are all crazy. My health is all broken down. But guess what? I saw Jesus pay the price. And I will not stand up. You got the picture? You got the picture? That's huge. Does that need faith? Yes. Why? Why does it need faith? Yes. More than what you can see. So everything says the lion is in the front of me. He's sitting parked right on the trunk of my car. But I should do what? Sit. I should not panic. No sudden movements. I just enjoy his sight. Beautiful eyes, man. Beautiful eyes. Nice, nice car. Actually, you should go and go on YouTube videos. They will look straight at you, but don't, they don't look at you. Because, now this is the whole secret, right? What happens is the animals associate the whole safari vehicle with the people inside as a big animal. And they don't recognize parts of it. But the moment you separate yourself, it recognizes that you are a prey. Till then, they think, oh, you are this big animal that we cannot do anything about it. So they don't see. They don't see. They, they, they just don't see it. And that's how Satan is in Christ Jesus. Can you look at the sun? Can you look at the sun? What if some, there's something in the sun? No. no. That's what you are. You are in the sun. You are in the sun. They, what's that? Yes, we sun. Both. You're in the sun and you're in the sun. He cannot see you. There you go. And then he says, resist him in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. What are the same sufferings that are experienced by everybody in the world? The tendency to stand. The tendency to stand. The same sufferings. The temptation to stand is in India, in Africa. In America, in Mexico, every believer has the same temptation to cast. You talk to your parents, right? You spend like 45 minutes basically telling them what? Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> 45 minutes. Your, most of my time is like, don't worry. 
Jesus has paid the price. I would spend like 10 or 45 minutes, then show them scripture. And finally, towards the end, done. Next call. Guess what? Now they are standing for something else. Then again, I have to say, don't worry. Everybody sit down. Everybody sit down. The show is about to start. Sit down. Sit down. You got the picture? It's a concept. It's, it's thinking. How, how come that some country is exempt from the suffering? No, because it's the same safari. It's the same terrain. Correct? And then he says, but may the God of all grace, who called you into its eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, suffered in what sense? <laughs> suffered in what sense, Gabby? Sitting. Huh? Sitting? No. How do you suffer while sitting? Humbling yourself. Yeah, but how do you suffer? By the desire, by the temptation to get up and stand, but you are still sitting. sitting. That is suffering. In, God, in first Peter's eyes, Peter's eyes, he says, yeah, I know you are, you know, but don't worry. Just, just that, temp, that desire to just jump up will not be for too long. Because what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? After you have suffered a while, see how we have totally taken that verse and made it theologized and made messed out with doctrine and saying that you have to suffer in sickness and disease and all that stupid stuff, correct? He's saying the desire to stand when you when you have you're resisting him in faith. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to add my works to this. I'm going to resist. That's suffering. That's the suffering that Peter is talking about. After you've suffered a while in that in that resisting the desire to stand, what is what is God going to do? He will perfect, establish, strengthen, settle. What is the most common things about these whole four things? Perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle. What is the common theme in this? No. Means that if you are sitting, guess what? You will sit even more. You are established, you will be established even more. If you are settled, you will be settled even more. Even that little tremor that you had for the desire to shake will be gone. Because previously you were just sitting because of what you just did, because of your faith, I'll put concrete on your legs now. <laughs> I'll just settle you now. You, can, you, had, you were squirming in your seat. Guess what? I'm going to put super glue on your pants. Means I will just, I'll just stick you down. In fact, Jesus used that same terminology in the Philadelphia church. That's the only church in Philadelphia he didn't find any fault. And to that church he said, because you have kept my word, I will make you a pillar in my house. Means <laughs> what? You were standing for some time. Guess what? I'm going to make you a pillar. Everybody will come and go, but you will? You cannot move. Because you are a pillar in the house. You got it? Is that a good compliment? Correct. You're a pillar. I'll just settle you. I'll just establish you. And in fact, Paul used the same word for Peter. He said, in Galatians, he said, God in his mercy has chosen that I will go to the Gentiles. But Peter, James, and John are pillars for the church in Jerusalem. Same word, pillars. The, the Peter who was wavering in and out, how did he become a pillar? How did he become a pillar? Because he learned, he saw the suffering of Jesus. And he says, I'm not going to get up. No, 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 no. I am not going to break seal out. 
I'm not going to do that. And he learned that. Hallelujah. Is that good? It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Let's go back to that Matthew chapter 18. Wow. Matthew chapter 18, verse eight, uh, 9. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and to be cast into hell's fire. To cause you to, even the eye will cause you to get up. Because what does the eye do? Say, man, there's an opportunity there that you need to go. See, that, see you, you're missing an opportunity by not getting up and doing something about it. Who, who is causing that? The eye. It says, close your eyes. Just look at Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Don't worry about all. Oh, no, no. You will miss this opportunity. Oh, this is a huge investment. If you don't put money in right now. No. Okay. It's okay. I'm seated. I don't have to do anything about it. I, I know how wealth will come to me. You got it? Correct? I, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to move. Because why? I'm not, my eye is not going to cause me to get up from the seated position. Hallelujah. Keep reading. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones or sitting ones. I say to you, in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. He says, don't despise these believers who don't get up and who are resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Don't despise them. Don't mock them. Don't mock them. Why? Because in heaven, their angels see the face of their father. Let me ask you a question. In heaven... What do your angels see? Okay. Try again. He's saying, don't, make them, don't despise them. They are sitting ones. Don't despise these ones, little ones who are just sitting down. Because in heaven, their angels see the face of my father. So what are these angels seeing in heaven? Sitting father. Sit, sit, a sitting father. You see the picture? Because your angels in heaven see what? A standing father or a sitting father? So he says, if my father in heaven is sitting, what should you be doing here? I do whatever my father is doing. And if he's sitting, I am going to be sitting. Hallelujah. There it is. And then, keep reading. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How do you get lost? Because you get up and go. Let's look at the next verse. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, now he's talking about a believer or an unbeliever? Believers. Believers. Because it's a man has a hundred sheep. We are his sheep, right? Okay? Now look at, look at this wandering sheep. You know, now you get the whole picture because it's in context, right? It's a context of what? The whole chapter is about what? Temptation to stand up. Stand up correct? So he says, if a man has 100 sheep and one of them goes astray, so who's causing him to sin? His feet. Correct? Does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? Why does he go to the mountains? Have you noticed that this wandering sheep never goes into the valley? Have you noticed that? Why is he going to the mountains? Because he's going to the law. He's going to Mount Sinai. 
Because Mount Sinai is where he can get credit for what he does. You don't go to Mount Zion because there's no credit in Mount Zion. Mount Zion is your finished work of Jesus Christ. You enjoy what you receive because of what Jesus did. Mount Sinai, I kept the law. I honored my parents. I did not speak a lie. And therefore, I should pass this exam. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm going to trade. Let's do some trading out here, God. I've been good here. Last one week, I've not watched stupid things. So help me in this. You know? So now you're trading with him, right? So that's Mount, si Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is the place where you are given credit for what you did. That's why the rich young man came to Jesus and said, what? No. What is the first question to Jesus? What must I do? Hold on. What must I do? Means which mountain is he on? He's on a mountain. <laughs> He's on a mountain. He is very clearly on the mountain. So Jesus is like now gently trying to get him down from that mountain. Correct? So Jesus is saying, okay. So he already knows he's on Mount Sinai because he's already quoting the, the law. Jesus says, keep the commandments and you will have life. Why didn't Jesus say that you should keep, uh, believe in me and then you will have life? Because he's on Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai, he needs to, because for him to get down the mountain, why will he get down from that Mount Sinai? Because he cannot do it. See, Mount Sinai is a dangerous place to be. Mount Sinai is where the arrows are. Arrows of Satan, correct? Mount Sinai is where all your curses are. Mount Sinai is that anybody who touches the mountain, let him be stoned. As much as touched. I mean, you don't even, In fact, Adam and Eve did that, right? They went and touched Mount Sinai. What was Mount Sinai? In the Garden of Eden. The tree of knowledge and good and evil, which is the law. He said, instead of going to life, which is Mount Zion that was there. He said, no, let me do something about this thing and let me go and eat it. And the moment they touched, they died. Correct? So that's what he did. So now he, how can Jesus get this young man down from Mount Sinai? He's, he, has to, he has to make him sure that he cannot keep the law. And he has to walk him down slowly. So Jesus was very gentle with him. Have you noticed that? He said, keep all the commandments. He said, uh, which ones? Wow. He, he was out there with Jesus, right? I mean, he was like, I mean, you don't go to a professor who is hard to tell him, give me, give me, give, what do you have? Give me any FAQ. I can solve it. And this is the, the master PhD of all law, Jesus himself, who gives the law, who, who's written the book about the law. And he says, which ones? I mean, after pretty much most of it, I mean, so Jesus starts throwing him the law. And then he, he goes even further. And he says, all these things I have done. So he's still on the mountain or he's willing to come down? No. So Jesus says, okay, that's fine. If you want to, if you want to be, doesn't say enter into life. <laughs> At this point of time, he has to show him that he cannot be perfect. Because how many things is needed to make him suffer death? Just one. So he says, if you want to be perfect, because he, want, he doesn't want to enter life at this point of time. He wants to be, he wants to enter life by becoming perfect by his works. See, in Mount Zion, you become perfect by 
his works. See, it's the same word. One is a small h, the other is a capital H. The one is his works, and the other one is capital H, his works. And he said, if you want to be perfect, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. And he realized, he realized, he got, he walked away. He walked away thinking what? He will work on that. <laughs> he's gone back. He's gone back because he says, you know what, give me a couple more years, I'll work at this. He still wouldn't come down of that mountain. He still wouldn't come down of that mountain. And that's why Jesus said, he saw him and said what? He loved him. You see that word? Because it is his sheep. In fact, there is some of the preachers, they say, that Jesus' plan was for him to replace Judas. Because he never told every, everybody, come, leave everything and follow me. Because that's the same command he gave all his disciples. He told Matthew, come, follow me. Peter, leave your boat, follow me. Leave your net, follow me. Nathaniel, follow me. And here was his opportunity to be one of the Apostles of the Lamb of God for eternity, whose name will be written under Mount Zion in the New Jerusalem's foundations for how long? Forever. He wouldn't come down on the mountain. And Jesus said, "Go back here." He seeks the one, and if he and if he should find it, why did he say if he should find it? There was no guarantee that he would find it. See? Because the choice to stand up or sit is yours. You say, but Anil, I'm, I'm suffering all this in my life. That's not God's choice. You are in the vehicle. It's your decision. Can Jesus protect you from that? He can, but you have to obey his command to be seated. That's your job. So that's why the title of the message is what? Do your job. Sit down. Is it tough? Yes. It's tough because everything in your body is saying what? Stand, Stand up. Do something about the situation. Look at what people are saying around you. Do something about it. But you are saying what? I have partaken of, I have seen I've been a witness to the sufferings of Christ and therefore I'll be partakers of the glories thereafter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he says, in if he shall find it, I say to you, he will rejoice more over that sheep than over the 99 that went astray. You know, there was this one sheep that came down from Mount Sinai. Saul of Tarsus. Saul was a lamb. There was a sheep that was so hung up on Mount Sinai. But when Jesus showed up on the road of Damascus, he said, I count all my law, my Pharisees, my upbringing under the Judaism, all trash and rubbish for the excellence of knowing Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Did he get that one lamp back from that mountain? Yes. In fact, did he know how to, this is so powerful. You should actually go and read it. Galatians chapter 1. After Jesus appeared to him, right? And I was telling Milo the other day, it's so powerful. Oh my goodness, this is the gentleness of Jesus Christ. How many years was Jesus with the apostles? Three years. So when Jesus shows up with Paul, he, he, he did not get any benefit of Jesus, correct? Correct? But yet Jesus shows up to Paul, uh, shows up to Paul and shows him this revelation directly without bypassing all Peter, James and everybody. He shows him directly. He said, when I received this revelation, I did not go back to Jerusalem to consult with flesh and blood, but I went to Arabia. Why is he going to Arabia? No, he's going to Mount Sinai. Arabia, Sinai is in Mount Arabia. So he thinks that I will get something from Sinai. He goes to Arabia and God, Jesus tells him, what are you doing there? Remember what, when Elijah was on Mount Sinai, when he was, when he was very frustrated with Israel, he went to uh, Mount Sinai and the voice of the Lord saying that, what? What are you doing on this mountain? So the same thing happened to Paul. So what are you doing here? So he went back to Damascus. And for three years, Jesus taught him. Hallelujah. Can you believe? Did he lose out? No. Three years. Same three years. I mean, Jesus was like, no. Ah, I spent three years with this bunch. Now, why don't you just go to Jerusalem and do a fast, fast track crash course and just uh, uh, make up? Because I cannot now sit three years again with you. No. Why? Because even Paul was his sheep. And he gently took him, spent time with him, and for three years gave him direct revelation, pure, unadulterated, with no baggage. And he wrote three-fourths three, three of the New Testament. Was it worth it? Did he rush it? No, he didn't rush it because he's gentle. He's gentle. See, here is a classic case where a sheep came down from that mountain and he carried it. But he was willing. So the decision to sit or stand is yours. And I'm telling you, the greatest victories that the church and a believer can have is your seated position, brothers and sisters. I've got so much stuff. So much stuff. It's like the, the Holy Spirit is screaming Say, stay seated, my child, for the man will not rest until he has finished what he said he will do for you. Who is this man? Boaz, Boaz the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, stay seated, my daughter. Naomi told Ruth, stay seated, my daughter. The man will not rest. That means while you are seated, while you have worries about your heritage, you're a foreigner in the land of Israel, your family is not there, you're unmarried, you have no future, you're poor, there's nobody to take care of you, you have all these worries, but I tell you, sit still, for the man who is running at the background, the man Boaz will not rest until he has finished the matter for you today. Hallelujah. Did Boaz did it? Yes. Oh my goodness. Guess who did she get to marry? Boaz. The grandson of David. The great grandson of David. Great grandson of David. 
and became in the lineage of Jesus Christ? Oh my goodness, what a break. All because she did what? And she, here is a classic picture. Everything was against Ruth, but she obeyed. So did, was she humble enough to listen to the voice to not get up? Yes. yes. Her decision was what? Sit down. Do you see that picture? She grabbed a chair and sat down and inherited the throne of David. Hallelujah. And that's what the Bible says. You know, when Jesus was standing before the high priest, this is what he said. Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Father and coming on the clouds of heaven. How is Jesus going to come back? I know he's going to come on the clouds, but what is the operative word? He's coming sitting on the clouds. His victory that he gains is sitting. How did he come the first time into Jerusalem? Sitting on a donkey. Did you notice that? Okay, let's go there. Because this, I think the Holy Spirit is intentionally going to some passages there. Okay? Matthew 21. Let's go to Matthew 21. Okay? Okay. Okay, let's read it. Now when they, were, they, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey and a colt with her. Lose her and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say, you say to them, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done. What was done? All this was done that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting. On a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So Jesus is saying, go and do what? Make arrangements for my sitting. See, the whole prophecy is not about his coming. The whole prophecy is, how is he coming? The whole prophecy, see, Jesus, it is important how he comes to Jerusalem. Because what did Jesus say? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wish to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. So he's talking about his first coming or second coming? The first coming. So he says, how will you recognize that I have come? Because prophecy says the Messiah will come how? Sitting. So he said, because I have to come sitting into Jerusalem, you go find this donkey, find the coal, so that I, I cannot enter Jerusalem walking. I cannot enter Jerusalem standing. I cannot enter Jerusalem as the Messiah in any other posture except sitting. Do you see the power? And therefore Jesus says, when I come the second time, will I come how? Sitting. If it is so important for your Messiah, 
that your posture is so important, do you think it is important for you? How do you, you gain your victories? How do you enter your uh, inheritance? How do you, was Jerusalem Jesus' inheritance? Yes. How did he get his inheritance? By sitting. What did God say, to, Father say to Jesus? This is huge. I want you to go this. Go to Psalms chapter, come, let's go to Psalms chapter 2. Huge. Do you know the first four chapters of Psalms is all about your posture? Let's go to Psalms chapter 1. Let's go to Psalms chapter 1. Look at the posture. Psalms chapter 1. The psalm started, starts by posture. Look at how it says. Blessed is the man. Hold. Hold. Posture. It's not about what the guy does. It's what is his posture. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Is he, he doesn't walk. In the council, that means his posture. What kind of posture does he have? He doesn't walk in the council. That means in the advice of the ungodly. What is the ungodly advising you? Stand. Stand. He doesn't walk because the ungodly is telling walk, and you are you and you are blessed if you obey or not obey. Bianca. <laughs> so if he says, "Blessed is the man who." Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So the ungodly is telling you to walk. So how are you blessed? Correct. That means you're not walking is a good walk. Yes or no? Are you blessed by not walking? Posture? Hallelujah. Let's look at the next verse. Not stands in the path of sinners. You're supposed to stand or not stand? How are you blessed? By standing or not standing, Gabby? It says, I mean, it is, it's very clear. Not, don't stand. Posture. Okay, keep reading. Not sits in the seat of the scornful. That means what? Don't despise your finished work seat of Jesus Christ. Oh, those faith people. Oh, those life team people. Oh, my parents. Oh, their generation. Uh, we have to do something about our situation. No, don't mock. Don't be a scorn. Don't mock that seat. Remember, don't despise my sitting ones. You got it? Then who is blessed? Who values that sit, seat, correct? Okay, look at what he says. What's going to happen? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? It doesn't say the laws of God because he's not talking about the Ten Commandments. What is the law of the Lord? The law of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. What is the law of Jesus Christ? The law of faith. What is the faith for? In the finished work of Jesus Christ. Blessed is he who delights in the law of sitting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Blessed is he who delights in that. He just delights in that. You know what? I Morning, evening, I just remember and I'll show you something very good. Remember what I told you? Uh, last week, right? Last week. At 1.30 in the night, the Lord wakes me up. I mean, this is, this, I'm totally awake. And the Lord says to me, and this is very powerful. This is what he says. And I'm totally awake. I'm just like, what time is it? I'm just like, man, it must be getting early in the morning. So I look at the clock, 1.30. I'm like wide awake. And then I, I hear the voice of God, right? He's saying, 
Anil, when somebody says you how you are doing, you should say, I am being busy being the greatest in the kingdom of God. <laughs> totally from him. He said, when somebody says, how are you doing? You should say, I am being busy being the greatest in the kingdom of God. Write it down. If somebody says, how are you doing? I am being busy being the greatest in the kingdom of God. Sounds so audacious for you to say that. If you are not listening to this message, <laughs> don't say this without giving context and color, okay? How are you doing? You know, I'm, brother, I'm just busy being the greatest in the kingdom of God. Julie, you want to be busy? You, you want to be busy doing that? Justin, what do you think? Good busy? I'm just, brother, I'm so busy these days. <laughs> I'm so busy these days being the greatest in the kingdom of God. So what exactly are you doing? Brother, I cannot tell you. There's so much. I'm so busy, you know. What are you doing? But tell me, what are you doing? Sitting. And second, this is exactly 1.30 in the night. The Lord says, I didn't know this. He says, Queen of Sheba came from the ends of the world to see you sitting. My goodness. I said, what are you serious? And the next day morning, I had my quiet time. Okay, let's go to... First Kings. Let's look at this. Hold on. Where are we? We are keep it keep at Psalms, but this is the Holy Spirit. First Kings. Go to First Kings. First Kings chapter one. This is so huge. I, I didn't even know this. I I thought she came to see this uh, wisdom of G, uh, Solomon. Correct. Okay. Let's see this. First Kings. Okay. First Kings chapter ten. Okay. Everybody pick that verse. Everybody open your Bible. Because the Holy Spirit is going to tell you something so beautiful. I've never read this. I'd never seen this. And it's going to really bless all of you. First Kings chapter 10. You got that verse? Okay. Gabby? You, you and me, we'll be on the same Bible. Okay. We are, we're going to share the same Bible. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the wisdom of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. Ah, Solomon had a wisdom about what? About the name of God. Okay, by the way, I'll share something very powerful. And you come to our house, we have started writing it all across our walls. Repeat after me. Maher, Maher. Shalal, Shalal. Has, Has, Bas. Has. Okay, repeat after me. Maher, Maher. Shalal, Shalal, Has, Has. Bas. Bas. You know, that's the name of Jesus. Never heard of it, right? God told Isaiah to give that name to the baby born of a virgin. The same name, Isaiah chapter 7, 8, and 9. It's the name, means it means speed the spoil, hasten the boot, booty. That means speed the spoil, hasten the booty. That means we are in the time God says, Lord Jesus, speed the spoil. I need my spoil now. Hasten the booty now. Why? Because Messiah is born. Jesus is born. That's why when Jesus was born, everything that Satan had was stolen. His whatever he his whatever was in his goods, he lost everything. Because what? The name of Jesus is that. Speed the spoil, hasten the booty. Did you receive it? See, you received Jesus as a savior. But do you receive Jesus as Mahir Shalal has passed? 
Mahir Shalal Hasbaz. See now, Solomon had a wisdom about that name of Jesus, Mahir Shalal Hasbaz. Why? And that is why Solomon was exceedingly rich because he realized Jesus, the Lord's name, does not just mean that He is going to save, that He is going to He is going to give me everything that belongs to me, that the enemy has stolen from me. Hallelujah. Do you believe with me that we are in the times of our church where, oh, this is very powerful. Last week, the Holy Spirit was bringing me to Nehemiah's book and how he's building the wall. You know, the last section of the wall was finished by whom? By goldsmiths and merchants. That's a picture. Who is going to finish the last section of the wall before Jesus comes. Merchants and goldsmiths. For, you, for that to happen, do you think God of heaven should prosper them? Yes. That's why Nehemiah said, Nehemiah said, God of heaven will prosper us and therefore we will do this. Do what? We will finish the wall. Hallelujah. And the, if you are going to be in the generation that will finish the work of Jesus Christ here on the earth, the finished work, the, the church of Jesus Christ, the last section is going to be done, is credited to goldsmiths and merchants. Because you know Maher Shalal has Bas. This life team is just worth it for that revelation of that name. I'm telling you, write it down. This is what God told Isaiah. Take a big scroll and write it Big bold letters, Maher Shalal Hash Bash. Same words. Why would God say Isaiah? Which verse is that? Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8? Yeah. 1 to 5. 1 to 5. Read it, uh, Milo, loud. Moreover, the Lord said to me, Take a large scroll and write on it with the man's pen concerning Maher Shalal Hash Bash. Write it down in a large pen, in a big scroll. Write it down. Let, put it before your hands. Maher Shalal Has Bas. Means what? Speed the spoil. Hasten the booty. <laughs> you got one booty verse in the Bible now. <laughs> it basically means loot. That means everything that the enemy was sitting on, it's now yours. Because of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Everybody knows the next name in the next chapter. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. Correct? It's just one, it's one name. It's the longest name in the Hebrew Bible. It's one name. We read it as if it's many adjectives, but it's one name. That is why this name was left untranslated. Like if I say, by the way, uh, let me introduce you, George. Uh, he is. What is the meaning of George, by the way, George? Farmer. Farmer? Okay. So let's call him farmer from today onwards. Do you say that? No. Why? Because his name cannot be translated. Names are never translated. Names are names. That's the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is that speed the spoil, hasten the booty. His name means I have arrived. Everything that the enemy has stolen from you, I will take it back. In fact, I will get everything back. 
right now for you. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's go back to First Kings chapter 10. When the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. See how revelation of the name of the Lord makes a king extremely prosperous? Revelation of the name. So you just got a revelation of one, one name that I don't think you ever read before, right? Right? But that's how you God receives stuff to you because he gives you a revelation of the beauty of the name of Jesus Christ. And out of that beauty, you say, he, he, he is my Yahweh. Jaira, the Lord is my provider. That's a name by which now I receive the benefits of it because his name means he's a provider. Guess what? I'm going to be provided for. If he's a healer, he's Yahweh Rafa, the healer. That means what? My healing is by nature of because of his name. If I say James, the merchant, or James, the... Like, I have an IRS problem, and James, the CPA. That means, will I have an IRS problem? No, because he's my friend. I know him, right? His name is value to him or to me? To you. <laughs> if he is a CPA, it doesn't mean he is doing only his taxes all day. <laughs> he is a value to me. Yes or no? That means the name of Jesus is value to himself or to you? To us. Oh, nice name, nice name. Brother, nice name. Brother, very nice name. You got a nice name. Hmm? It's for your benefit. Correct? Okay, let's read. We are still not in verse 1. <laughs> now the queen of Sheba heard of the name of, uh, heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. She came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with, with, a, with a great retinue, with camels, with horses, with, sorry, with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was within her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions and there was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. But, and when, read this, underline that verse. Verse 4, when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, start counting. The house that he built, the food on the table, what? The next verse, the seating of the servants. You know what the Holy Spirit told me in the middle of the night? Queen of Sheba came from the ends of the world to see you sit. She came to see, wow, his servants sit. Who is King Solomon? Jesus. You know the meaning of Solomon means what? Shalom, king of, king of? prince of peace. And his servants do what? They sit. And their seating is what? Glorious. The way they sit. He says, when I saw this, the seating of the servants, the service of his waiters. Who are, his, who are the waiters? The angels. Remember we talked about? Angels are waiters who wait on you. They minister to you. Do they sit or do they stand? They stand. Correct? Okay, then look at it. And their apparel. What about their apparel? Righteousness. righteousness. How perfect your righteousness is. How perfect your righteousness is. Your apparel is about your righteousness. Your righteousness is blameless. Perfect. Next. 
The cupbearers. Who is the cupbearer to the king? The Holy Spirit who takes the finished work, the wine, the finished work of Jesus and gives it. The finished work. He takes your gifts and gives it. He's, he's, he's always taking stuff and showing it to you and taking yours and showing it to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a cupbearer. He mixes the wine and gives it to you. Drink. The finished work of Jesus Christ. The cupbearer. That the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then the entryway. What's the entryway? The way of the, the way of salvation. The way of Jesus. Not the way of works. The way of faith. The way of faith. The way how these how do these servants come into this house? They do not come by works. They do not come up climbing on steps. They come by the way of the door. The Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, amazing it is. While all the other kingdoms, they have to struggle to get in. These guys just walk in. They enter. So five, seven things. Count the seven things. Seven benefits to you. When she saw this, when she saw this, there was no more spirit in her. That means she's like, oh my goodness, I, she could not believe what, what she's seeing. What is she seeing? What is she seeing, brothers and sisters? What is she seeing? She's seeing the church of Jesus Christ. He's seeing the church of Jesus Christ. And she says, and then, see, and then she said to the king, it, is a, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and about your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes and indeed half that was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I have heard. Happy are your men and happy are your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you, setting you, the same word, see, in, on the throne of Israel. So again, she's amazed by the fact that the king is sitting and his servants are sitting. And he says, I cannot believe it. This is too good to be true. This is impossible. Look at the privilege that you and I have. And he says, because the Lord loved Israel forever, forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. That's how we receive. The finished work of Jesus is the finished work of justice and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. And look at verse, when the moment they are sat, look at how prosperity hits them. Verse 13. Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to her, what generosity? Royal generosity. What do you mean royal generosity? What, what generosity would you define as royal generosity? Huh? Exceeding? Extravagant? Overflowing? Best quality? Gabby? The most obvious answer Royal generosity? Glory. Glory? No. Most obvious answer. If I say this is a royal generosity, means what? It's a generosity has come from a king. 
So the generosity that you and I receive is the generosity that comes from King Jesus. It is that generosity because you are seated in him. Now, let's go to verse 18. And I've told you how important your seat is, right? Look at the description of the seat that you and I sit on. Verse 18. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory. This throne is made of what? That means what is the color of this throne? White. Why is this throne white? No. What, let, remember Jesus when he had to feed the 5,000 and the 4,000, what was the common thing in both the miracles? He made, he commanded the people to sit down. And why did the people sit down in both the cases? There was much grass. Much grass means what? There was much grace. That means much... No. Much blamelessness. That means there was nothing blaming them. Their righteousness is finished work. It is the grace of God. Say the grace of God. Grass is always a picture of the mercy of God. The hesed of God. That means... He doesn't find fault with you. See, because if, you, if God doesn't find fault with you, Bianca, then will you sit or will you stand? Sit. If he finds fault with you, what will you do? You, you see that? That's what you do. We are always afraid of God, right? We don't dare to come into his presence. Who will dare to come into the presence of God and sit? Perfect. All of that matches, right? Only a child will sit because the child has no sense of wrongdoing. He can break your finest china cutlery and still come back and say, what's for breakfast? He has no sense of wrong. Nothing. Because he is, so he'll sit down, correct? So why is that throne white? Because it's a picture of Christ's righteousness given to you as a gift. So when you have that, will you sit or will you stand? So it's important that your throne is white. Yes or no? Yes. Let's look at the next verse. And it's overlaid with pure gold. What is that a picture of? No. Gold is always a picture of? God. Divinity. This righteousness is what? Divinely provided for. It is as perfect as God's righteousness is. It's divine. It's not man's. See, in the, uh, in the temple, there were only one thing of wood. That was the ark, which was overlaid with gold. Why was the ark wood overlaid inside and outside with gold? What, what was that ark a picture of? Jesus. Jesus. Because Jesus was a man and also God. You got the picture? So wood is always a picture of man. But when there is gold, that means you are now sons of God, not sons of men. So this throne is meant for gods or men? Sons of God. Hallelujah. The throne of gold, but ivory, white. Okay, let's look at it. The throne has how many steps? Six steps. What's the picture of? Man. man. Which man? No. <laughs> Who has provided you these steps for you to get onto the seat? Oh, Jesus. Jesus, the perfect man. It's not God's steps. It's not seven steps. Seven steps means what? God would have to provide 
the steps to get to this place. But who provided? Did God provide or God provided his son who provided the finished work? See, when you sit, in whose finished work are you sitting? Is he a man or a God? Man. Who is exalted at the right hand of the father. You got it? So it was his finished work on which you are sitting. See the description of this throne. Why is it important? Because for he's, the Holy Spirit is trying to say, Manavar, you are not sitting on any ordinary seat. It is the finished work of Jesus. Look at the power. Look, keep reading. There were six steps and on the top and the top of the throne was round at the back. Why is the throne, why does the throne have a back? I'm telling you, this is huge. Because he, he doesn't want you to sit like this at the edge of your seat. How does he want you to sit? Completely relaxed. Completely laid back. You will only sit with your back if you are what? And when will that happen? No, 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 no. You can sit also like this at the edge. But if you, can, if you wouldn't, won't use the back of your throne, why would you not use your back of your throne? You are ready to get up. Why would you, why, why would you, when would you relax and sit back with your back to the back? When you know everything is taken care. There is no care that the Lord cannot take care. Are you using the back of your seat? Or are you just qualifying yourself by saying, I am barely, barely sitting. A lot of believers are like, barely sitting. You have to let go and use the back of the throne. And how is that back? Round or rectangular? Round. round. Why round? Complete. Complete. It's not like, oh, you move this side here. There is no support. Everywhere it is complete. It's a shield. You can rest on any side. You can depend on any part. Oh, this, there's this one problem that I cannot rest on. No, it's round. That means there is no end to the backrest. There is no corners to these backrests. There is no like, oh, you better be in the... When you have a square chair, which is the most... Comfortable part of the chair. The center. But if you have a round chair, which is the most comfortable part of the chair? Everything is comfortable. It has to be round. It has to be round. It has to be round. In fact, there is a law in archaeology. If you see right angles, you know it's a man. <laughs> because God doesn't do right angles in natural creation. That's how they find that there is, a, uh, there is a civilization here. Because in natural world, there are no right angles in, in organic life. You don't find anything right angle. It's all round and smooth and flowing. Because it is the nature of Jesus Christ. The nature of God the Father. Nothing has corners. Nothing is hard in that sense. Everything is smooth. No right angles. Everything is... There's never you find totally perfect 90. If you see 90 somewhere, ah, some man has been here. Some civilization has been Somehow somebody's built a house. Somebody's, that's how they know. Right? Like, ah, no, man, 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 man is messed out here. It cannot be God. So that's how it is. 
It's round. Let's look at the next verse. Round at the back. What is next? Armrest. There are armrests on either side of the seat. Why are there armrests? James? No. Keep your hands rested. See, you can be sitting on the... Uh, no, no. Armrest. <laughs> yeah. So you could be sitting on the chair, but what? You, you see that problem? Because what is causing you to sin? Your hands. So what does God want you to do with your hands? Rest your arms. No contribution for your hands. Hallelujah. Do you see the power of the seat? So he's explaining your seat. Because you're saying, Anil is talking to me about seat, seat, seat. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no, tell them more. Tell them where they are seated. Tell them who has provided the steps. Tell them this. Tell them that. Tell them to let go and relax. Hallelujah. Keep reading. And what are there on both sides of the armrest? What are these two lines? Who's provided those armrests for you? The Lion of Judah. And the same Lion guards your rest. That means he will not allow you to contribute anything to your arms. Like if you, <laughs> so if you, if you remove your hands from the armrest, what do the lions do? Because he doesn't want you to contribute anything. Saying relax. Or anything. Any, 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 any enemy who is trying to trying to any any enemy who is trying to get you to move your arms these two lions will guard against he is very protective of what Jesus has done he is both the provider and also the the protector of the finished work write it down the Lord Jesus Christ is both the provider and the protector of your rest Nobody can steal your rest from you. Nobody can say, hey, you have to get up and do. No, there are lines on both sides of your armrest. Keep reading. What are the next one? Verse 20. How many lines? 12 lines stood there, one on either side of the six steps. Again, what is that a picture of? Each of those steps were provided by Jesus. The line of tribe of Judah, correct? That's the line, not the eagle, not the cattle. It's the line of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the man Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, he has provided that, but the same two lions protect and guard against anybody adding to that work of the finished work of Jesus Christ. He protects that, lines on every step, two lines on every step. Keep reading. Nothing like this has been made for any kingdom. Hallelujah. Write it down. Your seat has no comparison in all of the kingdoms of the earth. This is a supernatural throne. It can never be made. This, there is no seat like this in all of heaven or all of earth. This is the seat on which you sit. Now I told you that you, when Jesus commanded the, the people to sit down because there was much grass, 
Will you, if, if a throne was given like this, Gabby, will you sit down? It's a good throne to sit down, right? All, everywhere there is protection against your rest, correct? Against you getting up from your rest. Everywhere there is solid protection. Everything there is supply. Everything is taken care. There is nothing for you to do except to sit. No wonder Queen of Sheba came from the ends of the earth to see the seat. You remember he said they came to see the seating of the servants. And it's like, I've never seen anything like this. Who makes the seat available for the servants? And that is the seat that you and I have. Enjoy, I would say. Relax. Sit on it. Receive this message that the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to sit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when he says, at 1.30 in the night, Queen of Sheba came from the ends of the earth to see you sit. I was like, I never heard of that. But now, and I was like, I never heard of this throne. That's the same chapter, Alkesh. Same chapter. Because he's focusing on your seat. Hallelujah. Receive it. Receive it. That's how you receive the victories. You're, you fight your battles, Jyotsna, from where? By sitting. I'm going to make some statements, and I don't have time to expound on it, right? But I want you to go and, if you have notes, you can take notes, but I can also send you the notes. But I want you to remember this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Judgment, write it down. Judgment is committed to the sitting ones. Like, if you are, if you are, if you are sitting, you are able to execute judgment. It's only committed to the sitting ones. That's in Revelation chapter 20. It says, I saw thrones and they sat on them. Who are they? The, the saints, you. And judgment was committed to them. Which brings you to big picture. The moment you are seated with Jesus, guess what? You are getting ready to do. You are ready to start judging. And that's where I wanted to talk about, which is the most powerful part of his. What is the point of sitting? Because when you sit, you judge. Let me ask you a question. In modern day court, when do the judges make, start making decisions? Can they make a decision standing or they have to sit to make a decision? In fact, they have to sit. It's a protocol all across the world. Doesn't matter which country. You will never see a judge standing. Because this is how they say, the court has seated. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, it has nothing to do with he has a gun, he has an AK-47, he has the army. All that the judge has to do is what? Sit. Sit. It doesn't matter whether he was a murderer, he slept with a prostitute, he uh, stole last night. W what matters is what? He has seated. In fact, in the courts, they will not even take the name of the judge. They say what? Sitting bench. The, the judge, the court has seated. It could be one stupid hippie looking guy who's half shaven, got up from his bed with no clean clothes. Uh, name is Jack Smith. But they never say Mr. Jack Smith has today sat. No. When he sits, they say what? The court has seated. And whatever he says from the top has to happen. What do you think you on this throne the greatest in the kingdom of God, 
when you decree, what happens? And that is why, remember we talked about Matthew chapter 18? Did you remember Matthew chapter 18? We started with this, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of God? You know the chapter ends like this. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Hold on. Go and tell him his fault? Like he's, they, are, they are starting to make judgments. The seated ones are starting to make judgments. He says, but if he will not hear with you, take with you one or two or more, and by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. And if he refuses to even hear them, tell it to the church. Tell it to what? What do you mean the church? The tell to the seated ones. And let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. That means the church will decide he's a heathen and a tax collector. Means what? We are passing judgment on them. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, how? By speaking, it will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two or three agree on earth concerning anything it will, they ask, it will be done for them. For where two or three three are gathered together in my name. How? Sitting. Sitting. There I am in their midst. How? Sitting. And what are these sitting guys doing? They are passing judgment. So you know what? You can sit and pass judgments about all kinds of things right now. Because when you judge, are you judging alone or are you judging with Jesus? That is why it says where two or three are gathered in my name. We say, oh, Jesus is in this house because two or three are gathered in my name. Guys, when Jesus used that verse, he's trying to say what? The church is getting ready to do what? Pass judgment. It is no joke. He's talking in that context of that weight of the sitting. Make sense? That means you have a problem with a professor or you have a problem with a boss you have a problem with a colleague guess what what should you do sit and pass judgment hallelujah are you ready are you ready where two or three are gathered or to where two or three are sitting in my name I will show up to sit with them and when the Lord of heaven sits with you and you declare, guess what's going to happen? Remember, you're on the same throne. Whatever you say will be done for you. Do you see the power of sitting judgments? Because the Bible says, I just told you, judgment is committed, Manisha, to whom? Which was? Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Write it down. I saw thrones. Which throne? Which throne? No. If somebody answers that. Correct. The white ivory throne with two armrests, with 12 lions, with two lions on either armrest, with round on the back. When I saw thrones set up, I saw thrones and they sat on them. Who are they? They. No, no, I, you, you have to personalize that. I sat on them. I sat on them. He's, John is looking at you. John's looking at you and they sat on them. And what was committed to them? Judgment. Oh my goodness. 
That means these saints are going to start deciding the affairs of nations. They're going to decide the affairs of their lives. They are, you see the power that you and I have right now? Because you would not stand up. But God says, judgment has been committed to them. Hallelujah, there's so much stuff to say. I'm going to pass on. Daniel's vision of the seated ones. Daniel chapter 7. The whole chapter is about uh, sitting. Daniel chapter 7 verse 9. I watched till thrones were put into place and the ancient of days was seated. Okay, keep reading. Remember when the, 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 the demonic man in Gadarens was all the demons were cast out? When the people came to see them, this is what he says. And when they came to see what had happened, they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of a seated man. When he had demons in him, he could never sit. But now the demons are out, he is able to sit because he is blameless. He's righteous. He has no care. If you see, you're always anxious and always running around. You're always, your house is on fire. And sometimes this problem, sometimes that problem. Why? What's going on? Who is causing it? And the, the demons who are trying to get you to stand up. Hallelujah. Okay. Lazarus, lose to sit. I'm not going to talk about it. Mary. Remember? Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. So they, they come, Lazarus is dead, and they come and tell Mary, Lazarus is, uh, Jesus is, come, is, is they coming, Lazarus just, ref Mary refuses to get up, because she said, I've already received the word, that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. She refused to get up. Mary just wouldn't get up, even though Jesus is coming, because she has learned to sit. Okay. We'll close with one final thing. We will not sit till she come, till he comes. And that's a picture of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. After Jesus came, and I shared about it in one passage, after Jesus came, everybody started sitting. After he started going on the cross, the disciples started sitting. The, 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 the soldiers at the, at the cross, they sat down and cast lots. When Jesus, the Pilate sat down and gave judgment, the servants who were around the fire, they sat down and warmed themselves. Jesus goes to, uh, he's in the tomb, and the women go back to their house to sit down. They come back from, uh, on the first day of resurrection, very early in the morning, the first witness, they saw an angel rolling the stone and sitting on the stone. You've never seen the angel sitting because the work is finished. Then they look inside, they see what? Two angels on either side of the body, sitting. sitting. They're like, and then everywhere, and they constantly, you start seeing everybody sitting because Jesus has finished the work. Because Jesus has finished the work, you and I can finally sit down. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, write this down. He has made us sit together in heavenly places. Take your seats. The greatest show is about to start. Take your seats. The greatest show is about to start. Ephesians chapter 2. 
he has made us to sit together that in the ages to come he may show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Unless you sit down, you won't be able to see the exceeding riches and the greatness of his love towards you. If you are busy walking around and trying to do, you're missing the show. Have you heard this in any show? What is the first thing they say? You, you, any Broadway show, any show, what do they say? Right. They won't start the show till... Till you sit down, because it is prophetic. It is prophetic. Take your seats. The show is about to start. And you don't want, you, you want to be part of the show. <laughs> They'll throw you out if you want to go by the back in the backstage. They'll throw you out. But you can sit, yes or no? But you can't go in the backstage. Hallelujah. Write this down. The fact that you will not sit down is because you still think you can still make it. This is what Jesus said. This is very powerful. Luke chapter 14. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first? <laughs> you know, you want to build a tower. He says, why don't you sit down first and See whether you can finish the tower. Why, why, why is Jesus telling you, if you're wanting to build the tower, why don't you sit down first? Don't you think when you have to build the tower, you should actually go about and start building the tower? He says, no. Sit down first and count the cost. Whether he has enough to finish it. What, what will you do when you sit down? No. No, you're just throwing numbers today. <laughs> because when you sit down, you realize, you know what? I don't have enough to finish this. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to rest in his finished work. So you will not stand up. Look at what he says. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first? Have you read that verse and totally missed that? He says, you're trying to go, you're a king. Yes or no, Gabby? Oh, she's like, okay, whatever Anil says, you know. <laughs> I, sorry, you're just in the front seat today, so you're going to get all the... Hey, for, for eternity, it'll be on podcast, right? <laughs> when you grow up and your children will be there, see, I was there in that meeting when you talked about sitting, you know. You can talk about that. It, no, that's good. So he says, if you're a king who is going out for a war against another king, who is this king that you're going to go out against war with? The devil. Remember, he is also royalty, correct? He is a king, he is a ruler, and you're going out to king, and you are thinking what? You can, you can win against him. Jesus is saying, guys, Alkesh, what are you doing standing up? Sit down. You cannot win against him. So what do you do? You sit down and receive the finished work of Jesus Christ. The reason you don't sit down is because you think you still can do it. You have not given up on your efforts to make it happen. You have to give up, brothers. You have to give up. The reason when you give up, you see many times when you get frustrated, what people do? When they get frustrated, what they do? And when they give up, what do they do? No, they don't stand up. Then they sit down. Then they sit down. Is it? Ah, 
everything is lost. What do they do? They give up. And God says, why don't you do that first? Why don't you start with that? Why don't you get frustrated first? Why don't you sit down first and say, I just give up. I cannot do this. Great. Receive the finished work of Jesus Christ. Sit on this throne. I say, okay, fine. You got the picture? So which a king who, ha- who goes to war does not sit first? Who is telling this? Jesus himself. He knows warfare. Yes or no? This is not human warfare. This is how spiritual warfare is won. He says, which of a king does not sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Jesus is saying, see, you cannot defeat Satan on your own. If you could, I didn't have to come. Jotna, if you could do all the fighting, Jesus doesn't have to have a name called Savior. <laughs> His name means Savior. So, <laughs> can you imagine? He comes, he comes into a world, nobody needs saving. <laughs> so, you would ask, like, why are you coming with this name called Savior? I mean, God could have given him so many names to come into the world with. He gave him a name, what? He didn't, call, he, didn't call, he didn't send him into the world called Finisher. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you work, I'll finish it. <laughs> he said, you lost. You cannot make it. Let me send a Savior. That itself is a picture that you cannot make it. Okay, then he says, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, he cannot be my disciple. That's a picture. When you read that verse before, you would say, oh, I have to leave everything and follow Jesus. No, he's saying, you have to forsake all means what? Forsake what? All your efforts. All your expectation. All your talents that you thought that you can make it. Forsake all and just give up and say, come to me and say what? Lord, I need a seat. You got the passage now? Okay? Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how it can be seasoned? He says, you were salt, but you lost your flavor. Now you're trying to... (laughs) If sodium chloride, which is salt, loses chlorine, it's only sodium, right? Have you eaten sodium? Oh my goodness. It is bad. There is no taste to it. And you cannot add chlorine back to it. You cannot do anything about it. You lost it. It has lost the affinity. And the only reason chlorine is so effective is because, by the way, chemistry. In its outer electron orbit, who has done chemistry? Everybody is looking down, okay? Anusha is chemistry. Anusha, why does chlorine is why is chlorine so reactive? Anusha has gone to sleep, by the way. <laughs> there, there, is, there is one missing electron that it needs from any it has only one missing electron. So any metal it connects with, it takes that uh, uh, electron from it because it has this one missing electron, correct? But if it receives that one electron, guess what's going to happen? It doesn't need any more. So how does the salt lose its saltiness when the chlorine is completely satisfied? It has no, it has, it's complete. It, that means when you depend on yourself, it's all over. It's, you cannot be seasoned. You need help. Jesus is saying, guys, you need help. You cannot be seasoned again. You're trying to season something that cannot be seasoned. It has been thrown out. 
great he who has ears let him hear so hold on and then he says so so he called each one of his luke chapter is luke chapter 16 verse 5 so he called each one of his master's debtors to him and said to him how much do you owe me and my master and he said a hundred measures of oil he said to him take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50 oh my goodness so here is a this is a, so powerful you've never seen this until this message correct look at what he says you owe god 100 100 measures of oil you owe god 100 measures of oil correct you don't have enough to pay him back so what does god god say to you jesus is giving you wisdom what you should do <laughs> you should sit down take the bill scratch it out and write 50 that is fraud <laughs> but god calls it what righteousness. righteousness by faith he's saying what you are doing what you're sitting down instead of working to make up for the 50 you are taking the bill scratching it because you are doing what you are sitting and doing it right that means who, what are you acting as what are you acting as you are acting as a judge you are deciding your own destiny by cancelling off your debts how many of you will have debts in your life what does the bible say Take the bill, sit down, and write what you want. Are you ready? Are you ready? Can you write it? Can the, can the judge forgive debts? Yes. Can the, many times when they give sentencing, correct? They, give, uh, they sentence a person for 20 years. The judge can then say, the law says 20. I say five years. No law can stand against him. Correct? Because how did he do it? By sitting. By sitting. Jotsna. You're making a lot of money today. <laughs> By sitting. You decided. You decided. Take your... Look at what he says. Take your bill and sit down. How? Quickly. Quickly. Why? Bianca, why wait? What are you waiting for? <laughs> no, no, let me see whether I will I can work enough for the next one year and make why? Take the bill and sit down. You see how faith is the ability, the decision to sit what? Quickly. What are you wasting your time for? Because why do you think you're not sitting quickly? Because you still think you can make it. You still think that is making it. Is that pride or is it humility? Pride. 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 Oh my goodness. The Holy Spirit is teaching some real big truths out here. Take your bill and sit quickly. You have debts. You got mortgage. Take your bill and sit quickly and write what you want to be paid off. Not what you have to. No, no, hold on. Let me repeat. Not what you can pay off. No, 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 no. Cancel it. <laughs> see, see, we are so trained. No, no, no. How can, it's a non, this is fraud. How can I, are you, I'm telling you. Jesus words, red letter words. Take your bill. Padmini, take your bill. Take your bill. 
sit down quickly and write 50. How many steps are there? <laughs> Step ca death cancellation steps. How many? Three. Take your bill. Say, I will take my bill. <laughs> I will sit quickly. I will write 50. Can you do that? Why? Because you say, oh, my, what, 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 what are my writing has anything to do with it? Because you do not know who are you, who is sitting and where are you sitting. You see, it is not, who, this is so powerful. Do you all guys have, give me 15 minutes of power. So, remember I told you one night I got up at 1.30 and God told me these two things. So, the previous week, I wake up in the morning, and this is huge. I wake up in the morning, I told Milo, do you know what I'm talking about? What, what is that? So I wake up in the morning, and I'm, I'm waking up, and the Lord say, and I hear this word, Moses' seat, Moses' seat, Moses' seat. I'm like, what is this Moses' seat about? You won't believe this. Go, go read this. This is so powerful. Read Matthew chapter 23. This will bless you so much. Because you understand this revelation, it is going to remove bondages from your life, big time. Okay? See how powerful it is. Moses' seat. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 3. Everybody got that verse? Everybody got that verse? Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 3. Now, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. Okay? Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Say, sit in Moses' seat. The scribes and the Pharisees. I didn't know. I, though in the morning, I'm waking up and saying, Moses' seat. I'm saying, what is it? And I go, go to have my quiet time, and I see this verse. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, say therefore. 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 Whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. Why? Because of the seat. He says, it doesn't matter, they are hypocrites. But because they sit in Moses' seat, observe and do what they do. Means whatever they say from the seat of Moses, you have to obey. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit told me, Anal, seated hypocrites exercise power. Seated hypocrites exercise power. Who is he talking about? Who is he talking about? You. Because when you sit on the seat of Jesus, you feel like a hypocrite. But Jesus says, seated hypocrites exercise power. Not because of who they are, but because of where they sit. Hallelujah. He says, Pharisees and Moses, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, they sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, observe and do. Who is he talking to? He's talking to angels. He's talking to all creation. He's talking to your boss. He's talking to your company. He's talking to your professors. He's talking to your schools. He's talking to all the earth. He's talking to your property. He's talking to your wealth. He's telling them, guys, 
whatever they say because of where they sit observe and do look look at the next verse but do not do according to their works for they say and they do not do <laughs> so jesus is saying just because you sit on my seat doesn't mean that your works are good and i don't care about it but because you sit whatever you do i have to obey write it down seated hypocrites exercise power so let me question how many of you are willing to exercise power <laughs> are you afraid of exercising power now right are you a hypocrite yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do you define a hypocrite saying one thing and doing something. correct but does it matter no. no where are you sitting in jesus in jesus i got my seat i got my seat oh my goodness i i've not talked about mordecai mordecai haman was afraid of mordecai because of the jew who sat everywhere the picture is mordecai would not get up from his seat and that made haman mad haman is a picture of satan he says i i he said and this is what haman told his wife i cannot rest till i see the jew sitting you want to make satan mad no no don't stand up <laughs> sit down means what you standing don't stand up don't stand up stay seated this is very powerful genesis chapter 18 and 19 abram in the heat of the day sat in the tent door genesis chapter 19 and lot sat at the gate of sodom two believers one sitting in the tent door one sitting at the gate of sodom what is the gate of sodom a picture of the world of the works of man what is the tent door no jesus entryway remember the way of jesus the the door of jesus the finished work of jesus so abraham was sitting in jesus finished work lot was sitting in his works at his temple which survived abraham's tent or the mighty sodom and while abraham is sitting in the tent door the lord shows up and starts talking to him about the destiny of sodom and gomorrah what's happening out here no judgments are getting ready to happen and the decision that sodom will be destroyed was decided by who by god or abraham 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 decided guess what if there are 10 righteous decide who is deciding this a hypocrite but god calls him righteous how is he hypocrite he said one and do does the other God said I will get you a nation out of you but he went and had child from Hagar but God he's a hypocrite but God doesn't call him a hypocrite because he's seated at the tent door and he decides the destiny of Sodom and Gomorrah he decided i mean he could have decided he would have quickly picked up the bill of Sodom which was a debt that Sodom owed and what could Abraham have done follow the three steps take the bill 
He took it. Sit down quickly, he sat down. And write 50. How much did Abraham write? 10. Could he have written zero? Yes. He, decide, he should have decided that. You see the power of a sitting Abraham? And the chapter ends by saying, and Abraham returned to his place. What is the place? The sitting place. His life was a life of returning back to his place of sitting. I'll close with this final psalm. Psalms chapter 2. Psalms chapter 2. Everybody take Psalms chapter 2 and let's bring it to a close. I know there's a lot more stuff and hopefully we'll cover this in some other time. But I wanted to really show how everybody was grabbing a chair when Jesus showed up. Nathaniel found his chair. Peter found his chair. Everybody found the chair. Everybody was told, go and find the place where Jesus lies down and you lie down there. You know, Jacob found a stone in this place and took that stone and lied down on that stone. Yes or no? Correct? And, that be, and he saw a dream of a ladder that went up to heaven and angels ascending and descending. What happened? What did David, Jacob do that caused him to receive this huge blessing? He lied down on that stone. The moment he lied down on the stone, he got a revelation of Jesus Christ. And who is doing the work in that night? Angels going up and down and bringing prosperity to him. Because he is resting on that ladder, on that stone. That's a picture of your seat. And he takes that stone and makes it, he calls, this is the house of God. That means the house of God is the house of rest. Your house of your seat. Remember in the, in the, old, in the first temple, there was one furniture was not there. Which was the temple? There was a table. There was a lampstand. There was not one thing. Which was the one thing? Chair. There was nothing to sit. Why? In the first temple, there was nothing to sit. Because the work was not finished. He said, we will not rest until he comes. Because he had not come. Jesus. But after he came, there's a chair. That's why when Elisha, the Shumanite woman, made a room for Elisha, what did she put for him? A bed, a table, a lampstand, and a chair. Two furniture was not in the temple. Two were in Elisha's room. Elisha is a picture of Jesus' finished work. That means in that house where Elisha slept, there was a chair and a bed. And the miracle of the resurrection of the babe boy happened where? On the table? On the, the lampstand? On the chair? On the bed. bed. Where does your victory happen? On your bed. On your seated place. On your resting place. Hallelujah. On your finished place. And in your house... Your victory is won. Remember I told you in last time, where are, where are those accusers of yours? Where do the saints pass decree? Or where? No. They do. They don't They do decree, but Psalms 149. On their beds. They sing aloud on their beds. They are declaring the judgments on their beds. Right? On their beds, they are decreeing the stuff. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go to Psalms chapter 2 and we'll bring this to a close. Can somebody read this loud? George? Yes. Psalm 2. Psalm 2, New Kingdom's version. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves 
and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Who laughs? The sitting, the sitting ones laugh. When the enemy is against you, what should you do? Laugh. But who will laugh? The one who sits. The one who sits laughs. Remember I told you, we, we were actually talking about Psalms. How Psalms chapter 1, Psalms chapter 2, Psalms chapter 3, and Psalms chapter 4. All four Psalms, the first four Psalms of the Bible is about sitting, of posture. And this is Psalms 2. He says, who laughs? Sits in the heaven. Manisha, who sits in heaven? A lot of people will read this verse and say what? The, Lord. the Father sits in heaven. But we know what? Even the That's what amazed whom? That servant sit. She has not seen this in any kingdom. So who is laughing? You. When things are against you, he who sits in the heavens laughs. So if you are not laughing, check your posture. Okay, keep reading. Then, the, he shall, yeah. then he shall speak to them in his wrath. No, 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 no. Read verse uh, 4 again. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Okay. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath. And distress them in his deep displeasure. While, while, the, when, while the saints are sitting, God is executing what? Victories. You see, who is doing the victory out here? The Lord shall hold them in derision. He shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in their deep displeasure. Like many times you will have problems in your workplace, right? Your boss is crazy or your immediate boss is mad or somebody is that. What should you do? Laugh. Why? Because you're sitting. Because while you're doing, what is God doing? God is speaking to them in his wrath. He's distressing them in his deep displeasure. And he says what? Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Who is the king who God has set on his holy hill? We, along with Jesus. Remember? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? He who sits with him. That means there are two people sitting in heaven. Correct? The Lord Jesus the King and you his sons. Not Jesus' sons, the Father's sons. Correct? Correct? Yes. So, we, he says, I have set my king, I have, made, I have seated my king on my holy hill of Zion. Okay? Next verse. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath. No, keep say, reading. Um, yet I have said, okay, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten. Okay, let me ask you a question. The first is the father saying, correct? I have set the, my king in this. Who is speaking this? Sweet. I will decree the decree. Say, decree the decree. Declare Say, the I will, I will. Declare. declare the decree. The decree. Repeat after me. I will, I will. Declare, declare the decree. Declare. Now, this is the most important part. What do the seated ones say? Remember? We never covered that part. What are they saying? Who, who is speaking here? 
Jesus and we. What, what are we declaring? We are declaring the decree. Who decreed this? That I have seated my king on my holy hill. Who has decreed that? God the Father. Let's get this clear picture. Okay, God the Father says, I have set my king on my holy hill on Mount Zion. Correct? And then he says, I will declare the decree. So he has decreed this. And what is the seated ones doing? They are repeating the decree. See, on the throne, your job is to keep saying what God is saying. Remember? Your, your throne is facing his throne and you are decreeing what he's decreeing. He's saying that what? The Lord has said to me, you are my son. So as you're sitting on your throne, you're telling, Jyotsna, this is what he's saying. You're seated on my throne. And God is telling you, Jyotsna, you are my daughter. You just shared that today, correct? You are my daughter. You are not without a father. You are my daughter. So as you're seated on your throne and you're tempted to get up, you are repeating what the Lord has told you. He's saying, the Lord has told me this. I am his daughter or you are my daughter. You're just repeating verbatim. I will decree the decree. Say, repeat after me. Don't change language. Look at how he says. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. He did not even change the words. He did not say, I am his son. Because what did he say? This is what the Lord has spoken to me. I am going to repeat it verbatim back. Because whatever he decrees, I will decree. Say, decree the, declare the decree. Don't change it. Declare the decree. Whatever God has spoken for you, you just declare the same thing. This is how Jesus operates. He says, I say nothing except what I hear my father say. I mean, can you think Jesus can do a better language? Many times I wish Jesus would not have said the way he said it. I can give you a few verses. It's like, Jesus, man, so much misunderstanding because of that verse. Why didn't you just clarify it? You know? Huh? No, no, no. Vipers is nothing. I'll show you. I don't want to now take, give you the verse and for you to now start meditating on it. You know? <laughs> I don't want to cause you to get up and stand because of that. <laughs> I don't want no millstone around my neck. Okay? <laughs> you got the point? So, but Jesus said, I just speak what I hear. So he says, I declare the decree. Say, repeat after me. I declare the decree. Yeah. What does he say? You, the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Quotes complete. Yes or no? This is what God had declared to him and Jesus just decrees that back sitting on the throne. And that's what God has called you to do. You can actually take the same passage and make it apply to you because it is you. Do you understand? This is you. He who sits is you. He said, you are my son. That is you. He said, ask of me and I'll give you the inheritance is you. Then you can, I will break the nation's like a rod of lion, that is you. Hallelujah. Do you believe it? You say, I don't believe it. Doesn't matter. Hypocrites exercise great power. 
Now, look at the effect of that decree. Say effect. So, first write this down. He who sits laughs. That's number one. Second, the confession of the sitting ones. I will declare the decree. Do you remember that? So, first one. He who sits laughs. The confession of the sitting ones. I will declare the decree. So, you'll say, what should I say when I'm sitting on the throne? I will declare the decree. What the Lord has decreed for you, you just decree, decree it back. Your job is not to add color to it or to speak in colorful language. Does it matter how long the judgment is and how beautiful language the judge uses? All you, all you come to the point is uh, guilty or acquitted. Doesn't matter whether he's written in 25 pages with colorful Victorian language. He's hunting for it and says, Kya make? <laughs> I, I break into Hindi when I go into it. <laughs> am I inside or am I outside? That's what I don't care. I don't say whether he, what a beautiful language this decree is. <laughs> God doesn't care. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Oh no, beautiful language, man. Beautiful language. Nobody cares. What is the decree? Are you in or are you out? Why are you adding stuff to it? You're sitting, just decree. That's it. Very beautiful. Now, what is the effect of this confessed decree? Write it down. The effect of the confessed decree. Do you remember that? The effect of the confessed decree. The effect of the confessed decree. Very powerful. This decree that you're declaring has an effect. And what is the effect? Have you heard this word? Have you think in English? Kiss my. You heard that, right? This is the effect of the confessed decree. Kiss the sun. Kiss the sun. Who is the sun? The seated ones. This is the effect of that. Look at what he says. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. Lest he be angry. Kiss the seated sun. Kiss so God is saying, you just do the decree. I will make sure that all your enemies will kiss you. I don't want to use the other word. This is the real kiss that God is going to cause. The cause and the effect, right? The cause is, what is the cause? What is the cause, Milo? Sitting. Sitting and decreeing. And what is the effect? Manor? <laughs> practice kissing manor practice kissing man <laughs> kiss the son lest he be angry that means meet his every need of the kissing ones of the uh, of the seated son and and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little blessed is all who put their trust in him him is capitalized in the lord jesus christ because they've refused to get up. They put their trust that God will do the work. Hallelujah. The effect is kiss the seated son. Kiss the seated son. And you will see that in your life. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this word is not an accident for me, for the Holy Spirit to have us repeat it. Because he wants you to get this. He doesn't want you to run away from it because this is too powerful. He knows the power and authority of the seated ones. And I did not even cover Daniel chapter 7 and that whole aspect. 
Daniel is asking the angel, what is the truth of this? Remember, Shiva said, the, I have heard a true report and half what I have heard is not not even reported. True report. She used the same word. What is the truth of it? She came to see the truth of the seated ones. And Daniel asked this angel, see, I think he's talking to Jesus at one point. And he's saying, what is the truth of all this? And Jesus in, or, or the angel is saying, don't worry about it. The court will be seated. <laughs> Daniel keeps going back to the ferocious beast and uh, this one which has very more, more ferocious than all the others. And finally the angel says, don't worry about that. The court will be seated. But then Daniel says, no, I want to know the truth of that. <laughs> the angel is telling, the court will be seated. You're going to sit. And Daniel is saying, no, 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 no. I mean the truth of the ferocious beings. You see how picture man is? For man, the truth is the war. For God, the truth is you're sitting. And he says, I want to show you that he can prosper only till the thrones are set. He can prosper only till the saints are seated. He can prosper only. That means your enemies can only prosper till you sit down. So why don't you sit down quickly? Three-step plan. Take the bill. Sit down quickly. And write. How much? I love that. I love that. No 20. No 10. No one. The rich man fell over that one because he was ready to write one, right? Don't write. Don't write one. Write zero. Cancel it. That's why Jesus, after he's resurrected, the first things he took. Can you imagine the first thing? First thing after resurrection. He breathes on them the Holy Spirit, right? This is obviously without, without being born again, without being perfectly righteous, they could not receive the Holy Spirit, correct? Do you think after that he will say the most important thing? Look at the first words out of his mouth. The first words out of a resurrected Christ after he has poured out the Holy Spirit on him says this, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven, whoever sins you do not forgive are retained. What is he telling them? You have judgment right now. Whatever you decide will be so. We never understood that chapter. You never, nobody preaches on that because it's like, whoa, only God can forgive sins. So do you. That is why Stephen, when he was dying, not when he was falling asleep, that's what the Bible says, doesn't even say dying because believers don't die anymore. He said, Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they do. No, no, no. That, that was Jesus. <laughs> he said, Lord, do not charge this sin to them. What was he doing? What was Stephen doing? No. He's he taking the bill, sitting down, and canceling it. And who benefited from that? Paul. Because Paul was there. If he had not done that, Paul would have been forever on being on Mount Sinai and died. Look at the power of that judgment. So you use your authority to cancel or add? Cancel. And we talked about that message, cast out the mountain, right? Powerful message. You should listen to that. Hallelujah.
my goodness, God is adding word upon word and building your faith and getting it to a new level. Take the bill, sit down and write. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Master. Oh, we praise you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father. Oh, Lord, there is no measure of gratitude that we can have, oh, Lord, for the finished work of Jesus, the six steps that you made us, the throne that you have prepared for us with the perfect righteousness, with the round back, with the two arm rest, with the six steps, with lines on either side for us to rest and decree, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we will be busy being the greatest in the kingdom of God by being seated with you in heavenly places. Let the show begin, Lord Jesus, that in the ages to come, Lord Father, that you will show us the exceeding riches of his grace in Christ Jesus. Let the show begin, Lord, in our lives because we have grabbed our seats and we are sitting down. Oh, we praise you, Lord Jesus. Incredible victories shall be our portion because you went into Jerusalem sitting and you will come back sitting. Lord, we will enter our inheritance sitting and it shall be done for us. For your word says, Father, to your son, sit at my right hand till I make all your enemies your footstool. Lord, footstool ministry is, Lord, Father, your ministry. Our job is the sitting ministry. And Father, we will do our job. And Father, we know you will do your job. That all our enemies will be our footstool. All our enemies will be our footstool. And Father, let us be so. Let us rejoice. Let the saints be joyful on our beds. For we decree against the nations, against the peoples, against the kings, and against the rulers that are arrayed against us. Oh, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We take our bill. We take our mortgages. We take our debts. We take all the things that are arrayed against us. We take it. We sit down quickly, Lord Jesus, and we cancel it. We write, nullified, destroyed about our relationships. We take the bill. We sit down quickly and we cancel it and we call those things that we want to come to pass in Jesus' name. Oh, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, regarding health conditions, we take those evil report. We sit down quickly and we cancel it right now in Jesus' name and we declare a good report right now in Jesus' name. For where two or three are gathered, sitting in your name, there you are sitting and doing what we declare. I will declare the decree that I am a son and I am a king. Oh, we worship you and we thank you. The Lord says, do not underestimate the power of hypocrites sitting on seats.
of authority. How much more you, says the Lord, for I call you righteous, perfect inside and out, for your valuable sons of Zion, as precious and cherished gold. And when you decree, I find no fault in you. There is no deceit in your mouth before my father's throne, says the father. And you have my name on your forehead and my works in your hand. So execute, says the Lord. In these days, execute. Execute what you desire to happen and it shall be done for you. For you sit on the Messiah's seat. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. In my Father's house, says the Lord Jesus Christ, are many sitting places. I go to prepare a sitting place for you, that you will take your sitting place. And now, receive it, says the Father. Receive. Into my, receive, inherit. To him who overcomes, I will make him to sit on my throne. Receive this throne, George. Receive this throne. Lean back. Use the back. Use the back. A lot of people I see not using the back, never using the armrest. The Lord says, use it. Rest, casting all your cares on you. The Lord, after you have suffered a while, suffered in terms of your temptation to get up, the Lord says, very quickly, very quickly, I will establish, strengthen, settle, and perfect you. You're already perfect in my eyes. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you are. Thank you, Lord, for what you did for us. Thank you, Lord. It was your finished work. You would not rest till it was done. And you did the work. And you said it is finished. The sitting places are all ready. And Father, we sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we worship you and we thank you. Let incredible creative miracles sprout out. When I say creative miracles, I'm not talking about just in healing. God says there will be such incredible creative miracles that you would know for know that this is the hand of God. This would cannot be a man's work. You would know it. And this can only happen when you are seated and you declare the decree, says the Lord. For the works of the seated God can only be done by the seated sons. Thank you, Master. Receive this spoken word that it will bear much fruit, a 30, a 60, and 100 fold. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Father, we worship you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.